2: Opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
3: All rise. Good morning and this is Bennett
4: Kelly from our studio in Santa Monica. Um, we got a great show for you today. We're going to start off talking about the FTC's annual report and how you can avoid being part of next year's annual report. And then in the second half hour we have Dan Tynan back from East Sarcasm. And what's up?
3: Hello. Hi, this is Lindsay Lohan. I am a big fan, by the way, but I must warn you that this is an attempt to collect a debt. But if you don't want to worry about money, just enter this million-dollar sweepstakes, or help me get a zillion out of North Congo.
4: Hello, Lindsay? I don't think we lost her. Guys, I, we have a policy against taking calls from celebrities in rehab. Remember that. All right, well, that little um, ditty from, was not really from Lindsay Lohan, but... It illustrates about four or five of the top things on the consumer complaints the FTC received in 2010. Um, for starters, it, number one was identity theft, and um, and that oh, and um, number one maybe identity theft. And by the way, you, you may be seated um, as we started off with the all rise. Um, identity theft was number one by far, the number one complaint. Um, with over 250,000 complaints in 2010. Um, Next on the list was debt collection. And that's, you know, she mentioned this was an attempt to collect the debt. And right there, that's 144,000. So almost half a million complaints right there on that alone. Um, She mentioned you can join a sweepstakes. That's number four with 64,000 complaints. And then, of course, there's the um, get money from overseas. And um, that's um, number eight. So... um, the FTC issued its annual report. talks about um, what, what it has been addressing each year and what of its enforcement priorities. And so I thought it would be a good point to talk about how can you avoid being in next year's annual report. In other words, what are the key things you need to watch out for um, that so you don't get into the crosshairs of the FTC? Well, um, identity theft is pretty obvious. You don't want to assume someone else's identity. But there's one area that... Um, the FTC has been focusing heavily on lately, and that is negative options. And negative options isn't where you sell negativity. It's it's an option. It's a plan where a consumer gets charged for something unless they do something affirmative to stop the charge. You know, for example, you know a lot of us have done record deals with the record companies where you know you sign up and you get 13 um, CDs. And then you, know, you keep getting one each month until you cancel. And um, the Internet has found that one of the great ways to make money is through recurring purchases. Um, there's a lot of money in, in small items because if it's something consumers use frequently, they'll constantly reorder. And so that's why you see a, a host of um, websites that sell um, very good products. You know, for example, ink and other things that consumers need on a regular basis. And they're often set up on what's called the continuity plan, where the consumer will get uh, so much every so frequently and unless they ask for more or they cancel. Well, there are a lot of plans like that are very good and very helpful to consumers, but there are also a lot of plans that out there that are, are trying to more or less take advantage of the fact that the consumer, who, consumer's inertia and failure to act and by it, it, dump a lot of products on them before they cancel. Now, this has also caused the credit card companies to act, since they're tired of all the chargebacks they get, and so they've actually tightened their standards. But and the one highlight one thing is California recently passed a law on negative options, which actually you should be aware of, because um, if you don't comply, anything sent to the consumer is considered a gift, and so um, we all can hope that Alpha Romero. Um, has sets up their own negative option program and fails to comply, but let 's talk about what it is that they 're really focusing on. The key here is that the FTC as and other governmental agencies really want informed consent, and that means that you have to disclose the material terms to the consumer in a way that's visible to them before they make the choice so Putting them in, you know, bearing them in terms and conditions with an asterisk at the bottom of the page doesn't cut it. And um, so, what is required is that you disclose what it is um, that are the terms, such as um, the frequency, such as how do they cancel, such as what will the monthly charge be. And if you disclose all those, um, you're good. And uh, but they have to be cl- clear. It has to be visible of a certain size, and um, the consumer has to be able to um, take steps to cancel uh, if they want to get out. And so that's a, a big issue here. Um, you see these a lot, and the FTC has really stepped up enforcement in this area over the years. Now, another way to get into the crosshairs of the FTC or the state regulators. Is to really be in one of the area, kind of the hot scam areas. It doesn't mean that everyone in these space are are scammers, but there are certain areas that have a high level of um, fraud, and so you should act knowing that the FTC is watching. And some of those areas include one, um, what is often called um, cosmeceuticals, and those are cosmetic products that they call them cosmeceuticals because they're, they're not just cosmetic products, but they they have some um, medical or um, you know, physical benefit um, beyond just the cosmetic aspect, and there you, you, run, you can get in trouble for a couple of reasons. One, they, they usually involve negative options, and so you know, that's the first thing that, that trips a lot of people up on that respect. The second, though, are the claims that are made with respect to what it is this product does, and uh, you know I've often joked that. I would love to start a website called um, placebo.com because, as you know, in any study, medical study that's performed, you know, they always have a placebo where you know certain groups um, just get you know a pill or whatever that does absolutely nothing. And um, but you know, what is known as the placebo effect is that sometimes it actually works, you know, because some consumer psychologically thinks that they, in the test that this, they're taking something that will benefit them and so in that in some in every case that's been looked at um, there's always some response level at the placebo well, plus you also don't know what other factors are going on you know consumer in the health studies for example they may have changed their diet or whatever but so practically every disease has been found to have been um, at some point to a certain extent um, treated by placebos with some success, albeit very small. And so I'll, I use the example of placebo.com because I could put up a website and say, you know, this cures cancer, erectile dysfunction, um, blindness, you name it, um, because there has been some studies to that effect. But that's misleading because it doesn't really tell them that, well, it's only in a few rare cases. Um, and so the other thing is, is you well, the one, that's deceptive, but the other thing is a lot of times... These sites get in trouble because they overstate um, the benefit. And granted, i um, saying that these, a placebo will, will cure all these different diseases is overstating to extent. But um, there are at least some some evidence that it has done that. What a lot of um, sites often you see is that it will do things that will um, that just frankly, there's no scientific um, basis to claim that. And there's another area where you, run, you get into trouble in this, this respect, is there's a group called the, um, the, Ad, um, the Ad Council that will review um, complaints received um, about your advertisements. And then, um, depending on what their assessment is, they may refer it to the FTC. And one thing that comes up frequently in, in that area is um, complaint, ads that try to claim that they're better than Botox. And, and Botox regularly complains about those. And what happens is then you, you have to show that there's some medical basis for that claim. And the other danger in this area isn't that you're overstating um, the efficacy of a product. The danger is also that you're in an area that is semi-regulated, but if you go too far, you step into a very highly regulated area. And what do I mean by that? Well, the whole reason why these are called cosmeceuticals is because they're basically being marketed as cosmetic products with some pharmaceutical um, aspect to them. But it's not really a, pharma, a, a cosmos, it's not really a pharma, pharmaceutical because it's not regulated or tested by the Food and Drug Administration. But what triggers that is if you make a claim that a certain product alters a physical structure, alters a molecular structure. So, for example, with anti-wrinkle cream, if you claim that it um, eliminates wrinkles or things of that nature, well, that's actually claiming a physical transformation um, versus claiming that it makes your skin look younger. You know, appearance, that's just an appearance view. you actually... The wrinkle still may be there, but it is masked somewhat, for example. The problem in this case is that once you start claiming that there's some physical transformation, you're actually going into an area where your product now is considered a drug. And so you have to be very careful when making those claims, because once you claim it's a drug, well, drugs can't be released to the market without going through extensive testing and approval by the FTC. And... Um, So that's why these areas have been particularly, um, particularly um, focused on by the FTC for a couple. One, because they often involve negative options, and two, because the FTC has really been increasingly focusing on medical claims and trying to require some um, some basis for the medical claims. And um, and it's not just a, a, a guess that they may do do something. You have to be able to show that you have some study that backs it up. And um, so if you want to get into FTC's crosshairs, you step into the area of cosmeceuticals and offer a negative option plan. And
1: um,
4: once you start making some sales, um, one, it's certain that you, it'll, complaints will, will, cut, will arise. And second, if you get enough, then you, you may get a call from Washington or one of the FTC field offices. Now, there's also state attorney general's And when we get back from our break, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, complaints to the state attorney general.
3: Roscoe? Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors
5: give your account a real advantage. Admedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything Admedia can do for you today. Sign up at Admedia.com. Admedia. Strong ROI made simple. Oh yeah.
2: My day is done. Time for happy
5: hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah,
2: because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their inner Interactive learning modules keep me up to date, and if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm
1: ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend certifiedknowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your
2: TPC needs. Learn, optimize, connect. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now.
4: at BruceClay.com.
3: The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm Whoa. And we're back um
4: you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. I'm Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. And before we left, we were talking about um, complaints from state attorney generals. And let me let me back up and explain a little bit of how this process works. So if you're in an area that you're selling products, and it could be it's any product really, but we were talking about certain products before, such as cosmeceuticals that the FTC tends to focus on, but regardless of what product you're selling, um Consumers complain. Consumers complain to you. Consumers complain on Yelp. Com- consumers naturally; those complaints also go to governmental authorities. Um, now, what happens when a complaint goes to the FD? Excuse me. When a complaint goes to your state attorney general, well, there's a, each state attorney general has a unit to to respond to consumer complaints, and all they do is forward that complaint to you and ask that you respond, whether or not any further action results. Depends on what your response may be, but often it's just the you know, consumer has an issue. If you take care of the issue, you're dumb. And um, of course, if you get a whole lot of them, then you can you, then you start getting noticed by the FTC, so excuse me, by the state attorney general. So if, when you start getting those letters, one, you want to address them promptly and you want to try to take care of that consumer. Um, act very, very pro consumer from that point of view because you want that person um, not to feel that they've been cheated. And you definitely want the state attorney general to believe that you've been fair to that consumer, and you see this, these things come up often. You know, one would be anyone purchasing online sometimes complains that they tried to return something and um, they didn't get a, a full refund because they didn't comply with the policies. Well, they, you know, you want to respond and explain. Listen, this is this is what our policy is. So we paid this, but you also may want to consider um, just giving them the refund and say, listen. But explain to the attorney general what your policy is, but we were still doing this as a matter of goodwill, and um, so that's an important thing when you, you're in an the, the area that's got a lot of focus and it's getting a lot of attention. Now, um, what are some of the areas the FTC is focusing on? Well, one are the business opportunity um, deals where you can work from home and make you know, you know however, whatever the number says in the ads. You know, they range, but they make tons of money um, on Google, with Google Ads. And they just cracked down on a bunch of them. One, because the plan itself didn't yield anything. Um, But two, also they were being very deceptive with their negative option plan. And one thing that's common in both this and there's also um, how to get government grants um, to pay off your debts. Well, one... You can't get a government grant to pay off your debt uh, unless <laughs> unless you're GM. But so the FTC cracked down on those people because one, they were offering a deceptive product, and what's was interesting was you you paid um, a certain amount, like usually it's like sixty bucks, and you got this book that more or less described how to apply for a government grant, but that was about it. But then you got this recurring two recurring charges of about ninety dollars. And that would happen each month, you know, for um, you know, different things that were unrelated to the grants. And so the FTC uh, made a major crackdown in that area. Um, the FTC is also starting its focus now to claims of, of what was called green marketing—that your product is environmentally safe or environmentally friendly. Um, that they're they're starting to develop standards for you know, what, what, what is considered um, green. Um, from that point of view, and, and you know, that'll definitely be helpful once they do it. So, if you want to get another area, the FTC has been focusing on, and that's among their top, um, their top list, is um, oops, lost the page, is that um one area they've been focused on also, has been, um certain types of offers, dealing with um, internet. As well as offers for sweepstakes, and the reason why we mention sweepstakes is because they're very highly regulated. Because if you don't do it right, you're actually engaged in gambling. So, for example, um, if you have a a sweepstakes, you know, buy a ticket and win, you know, this much money. Well, depending on how you do it. Um, that could also be considered an illegal lottery. And the, the key from on sweepstakes is there has to be um, gambling is considered if you have chance and you have um, consideration and you have a prize, those three together um, constitute a, a gambling or a lottery under almost all state laws. And so the, the problem with the sweepstakes is if you have if you have to purchase a ticket, and obviously winning a sweepstakes is a, is a matter of chance, and then there is a prize, mm. you run the risk of actually having a lottery. Um, and that's why you see one way to eliminate the issue of being a lottery, is so you address one of those three requirements. So, um, and it's usually you address the issue of consideration. So you allow um, free methods of entry and that's why you often see no purchase required, and it tells you how you may enter for free. And that's just mainly to comply with state law and make sure that this is a compliant plan. Um, And the states, uh, depending on how large your plan is, um, you may be required to register with certain states. So, for example, if you're above $5,000 in an offer, um, you must register with New York, Florida, and um, depending on how you do it, um, possibly Rhode Island and Arizona. And, um, and you, in some states, you have to post a bond. So be mindful that, that you're in an area that has risk. And um, one way to do it is if you're going to do it yourself, you make sure you call your, you call your counsel and make sure that you go through each of the elements to make sure you're compliant, and compliant in the jurisdictions you're going to be offering. Now, you do see a lot of times um, some offers just to under- they, they accept certain states just to minimize their risk. Um, the second thing is that another option if you do want to offer a sweepstakes or something of that nature is there are companies out there that offer that, and they, they basically t- take the administrative headache and the, the benefit of using some of those companies is that um, you're just part of a larger offering. So, for example, you want to offer a car. Well, you know they 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 have a sweepstakes that involves all several other programs as well. So you, know, you the the hundred or so of your customers you may enter are added to a, a larger pot. So it allows you to offer a bigger prize, and it allows you to have someone else deal with the whole administrative risk and compliance issue. So that's a, that's high on the FTC's list. In fact, sweepstakes were number four. Um, shop at home catalog sales that was number five, and that's that was kind of the, the business opportunity plan. Um, internet services were number three, but, and then internet scams and options auctions. Um, we're six and seven, and then we had foreign money offers and counterfeit check scams. You know, we, we all make jokes about the Nigerian um, emails, but it is shocking the number of people who have entered the program and um, who have actually followed through and ended up losing money. I mean, you see people who thought it was a sure thing and have you know, used their used trust money, have used um, their employers' money, and um, it's actually led to a number of bankruptcies. Some suicides and it turns out at least at one point on the state department website that um, several people have been killed because they went over there to Nigeria to find out what was going on and um, their reception there was not very welcome So um, that is as much as we joke about it there's still people that fall for that and granted now it's not always from Nigeria they, they vent other companies Ivory Coast um, they even discovered that why not try Asia and so um, but it's usually the same type of offering. Now there are just if, if this is something of interest to you, um, there have been several people who try to counter um, those type of offers. And one guy actually wrote a book about how he tried to comply, and he um... wrote back and said, "Okay, I'm going to wire the money to this place," and it was always some place that was inconvenient. So the the people involved in the scam with me you know, would drive two or three hours and get there, and then. They would find that the wire wasn't there, and he would have an excuse, and then he would, you know, he would lead them on for a couple more days. And I think there's a book out on the topic. and um, so, But in any event, it's something you need to be aware of. Um, another top area is telephone and mobile services, um, and that kind of rounds out the top ten. Now, the FTC also stresses its enforcement priorities, and um, if one thing they necessarily report they're stressing our are dealing with issues of consumer distress. So um, we've just come out through a recession, and um, so the FTC is very sensitive to um, plans um, dealing with mortgage relief, um, plans um, dealing with um, get government grants to pay your debts, things of that nature, because they know that you're dealing with consumers who are in distress and that more likely. Um, to take a chance because they're feeling they're feeling desperate because you know they're about to be foreclosed on, or you know they have debt collectors calling them all the time, and so the FTC has really been trying to focus on that and they've been at, at a number of enforcement actions. So, um, so definitely, if you want to see the inner report, um, it's available on their website, FTC.gov, and um, it really gives you a good outline of what they've done in the last year and where they're going next. Um, so. And your goal is to just read it and make sure that you're not part of next year's. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, we may have someone back from the FTC on to just discuss some aspects of the report. Um, as you know, we had Chris Olson from the um, Privacy Division um, early on our very first show. But um, we'll be talking to the FTC um, in a future show. And when we get back from our break, we're going to have Dan Tynan from eSarcasm. He's going to be joining us again, and we're going to talk about a few developments going on this week in the Internet, and um, we'll hope you stay tuned.
3: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this pre recess for our sponsors.
2: Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches,
5: If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Your mission: initiate
2: internet marketing measures. Your arsenal: the weapons of mass marketing. Learn to accomplish your internet marketing initiative with the do-it-yourself tools and directives from the commanding leaders of cyberspace. Weapons of Mass Marketing, presented by RavenTools.com. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the internet marketing channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm hedger and dave davies bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world webcology thursdays at 2 p.m eastern 11 a.m pacific or on demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only
3: on webmasterradio.fm the best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here this is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
4: And we're back. We have um, with us um, for a second segment, Dan Tynan, who's joining us again. You may recall he's been on before. He's with eSarcasm, and um, he's, we're going to talk about some of the latest developments going on on the Internet. Dan, welcome back.
1: Nice to be back, Bennett.
4: And um, one thing I'd like to start off with is uh, Oh, Bennett, Monday,
1: Char- Charlie Sheen's online, too.
4: I told you we have a policy about celebs in rehab. Tell him I'll get back to him. He insisted. He's winning. He's winning. All right. Hopefully we are too. Um, Dan, you're a winner. Um, if you, <laughs> Not I, that way, though.
1: <laughs> I don't have tiger blood.
4: <laughs> you just, just got to feel it in you. Um, you know, Monday was the feast day of um, St. Isidore of Seville, which I'm sure everyone um, listening celebrated. Um, and it turns it turns out that you know there's you've heard of um, the Vatican has saints, and there are actually certain saints for certain things. You know, there's a, a saint for firemen, and there's a saint for, you know, for example, there's a saint for lost causes, um, Saint Jude. And you know when people feel desperate, you know, they they pray to Saint Jude. Well, there's actually it turns out a saint for a patron saint for the internet. And um, naturally, you would think that this would be someone, you know, from an, an area of technological breakthrough, uh, you know, a great thinker, and you know, someone from a more modern era, um, possibly the Renaissance, for example. But it, it turns out that the uh, the patron saint of the internet is um, Saint Isidore of Seville, who died, I think, somewhere in the 600 A.D.s. But he was a very learned man and um, a, a doctor in his own right, um, and so he has um, he has been designated the patron saint. Now, there actually is, I looked on the Internet, there are certain societies of St. Isidore that try to promote um, good behavior on the Internet, and I, I tried to. Uh, I contacted one to see if they'd be interested, um, but I never heard back. Um, but any event, so what do you do um, for um, St. Isidore Day? What is the? What do you do? do you, I, I suggested downloading sangria, but how does one celebrate? You know, what is the Cinco de Mayo of the Internet? <laughs>
1: I guess that would be the quarto de April, right? Exactly. Yeah, uh, or whatever the Spanish word for April is. You can tell how educated I am there. Um, Well, you know, all I know about Saint Isidore is what I read on Wikipedia. Um, And I'm not sure he is the patron saint of the internet. Uh, I think he was nominated to be the patron saint of the internet, but he lost in a vote. The smoke came up and it was the wrong color. Really? Yeah, um, there
4: are several societies out there that claim that you know, the Saint Isidore is the, um, is the patron saint. So you
1: know I tried to find that, and all the references and there's even apparently in a, a, a Boston library, a stained glass portrait of Saint. Isidore in some technology library commemorating him as the patron saint of the Internet. But I'm not sure he's officially Vatican improved.: Ah So See, we,
4: we have a, a rogue saint?
1: A rogue saint, exactly. He's a Fosain. Um But, you know, it's appropriate because, uh, you know, why people want to make him the patron saint of the Internet is because he was perhaps the first person to try and create an encyclopedia. He tried to collect all the world's knowledge, at least as much as there was in the 7th century A.D., uh, and wrote wrote it all down. So, in a way, he was the first Wikipedian. True. Or so, uh, well, the rhetoric. prototype
4: for the internet itself.
1: Prototype for the internet itself, which is why people want to celebrate him. But I, I think I think a better patron saint would be uh, someone like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> right.
4: Well, I, I think that the Vatican may have a problem with the, 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 the he's Jewish part. But hey, uh, <laughs>
1: you know there have been there have been other notable Jews in the Christian faith, and we don't have to name names here. But um, so you know, I, I think they could be flexible because you know. He's about halfway to the Roman Catholic Church. That's true. And, you know, I mean, he was
4: Times Man of the Year.
1: He was Times Man of the
4: Year. He had a
1: movie. I mean, how many people made a movie about St. Isidore that was nominated for an Oscar? None. None. Exactly. So I think Zuckerberg is an excellent candidate. And he also kind of epitomizes what the Internet is about these days. Which is? Embarrassing photos uh, (laughs) of of you and other people. (laughs) And making comments on embarrassing photos and basically sharing things that used to be considered uh, unacceptable in play company. That's and the new Internet.
4: So that like, years from now, you can be embarrassed by the fact that you did it.
1: Yes, and your children especially can be embarrassed. And, and, you know, and that's very satisfying as a parent of uh, two teenagers. Uh, embarrassing my children is pretty the only pleasure I get these days. <laughs> so, yes. So I would say the future, I mean, the past, the Internet was all about knowledge at your fingertips, blah, blah, blah. But the future—it's really about you know photos of you and your skivvies. So what's
4: interesting you mentioned that because you know, there's the recent um, purchase of Huffington Post by AOL, and you know, they have explained that as much as you know the focus of the uh, you know, the, you know, the newspaper focus on Huffington is its you know, political commentary, that their their largest traffic generators are um stories about models and you know pretty pictures. Yeah, more or less. Mm-hmm. And yep. um But actually, I mentioned Huffington Post as a transition because they actually posted a a list of what they thought were the um, best April Fool's pranks of 2011. And um, so if anyone um, wants to plan their April Fool's next year, um, you might want to go there. Now, unfortunately, we weren't able to do an April Fool's show since we ran March 31st, and we won't get to uh, until 2017. So, Dan... um, Then you're, you're, you're welcome to come back on uh, April 1st, 2017, and um, we'll, we'll even make you the lead-in guest. Um, but, so what else has been going on with e-sarcasm?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because we actually had our own April Fool's thing. We were hacked by Anonymous on April Fool's. And? Uh, and nothing much happened, actually, which is usually what happens when you get hacked by Anonymous. Um No, we decided that uh, for April Fool's (laughs) this year, we would hack ourselves. uh, And we would blame Anonymous for it. There you go. So for about 12 hours, our site was inaccessible, and all you could read was uh, a letter from Anonymous discussing why they were hacking us and what bad things we had done. So, um, and, you know, that was like a private joke between me and JR, uh, my partner on on eSarcasm. But aside from that, what, you know, it's really sort of, I've been looking at these days. The internet is kind of the way data is clumping together in different places on the internet. And uh, it's clumping together in a big way on Facebook. And yes. It's clumping together in a huge way on Google. Uh, and it's also clumping together in other ways. Uh, I just wrote a blog post this morning about Epsilon data management. Have you been following this? Yes. Yeah, the whole email, you know, oops, we got hacked, and uh, these hackers have your email address, but okay, don't worry, it's fine. Um, and it, the uh, emails aren't coming from Epsilon, because no one had heard of Epsilon.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, you know, unless they were in that business. They're coming from Marriott, they're coming from J.P. Morgan Chase, they're coming from Citibank and Target and TiVo and all of Epsilon's customers all of whom are obligated by law in several states to say, oops, we got breached. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Move on. But we got breached. And you know, you might have some you know, spammer or scammer contacting you and doing what you just described in the first half of the show. Yeah, one of those options. Yeah. Uh, maybe they'll run a Nigerian scam on you. Maybe they'll do the I'm stranded in London, please send me $4,000 scam. Uh, any number of them. But what it does is, you know, it gives people, uh, scammers, an in uh, to do what's called spear phishing a- and, you know, to target you specifically. Now, it may not even happen. It-, it might just be email addresses that are sold for, you know, fractions of a penny per person, per address. Uh, it may be something as simple as that. But the reason it happened is because data clumps. You know, they don't have to go to Marriott and Morgan Chase and Target and TiVo and all those companies to get this information. They go to Epsilon. Right. So, um, you know, they go to Google. They go to Facebook. And so the nature of the Internet being that uh, people tend to favor services other people tend to favor. Uh So the network effect, the more popular you are, the more popular you are. Uh, So everyone uses Google and everyone goes to Facebook. So that just makes them a big, fat target for things like hackers, but also for things like government entities that would love to get information about you at a particular time because they think maybe you did something bad. Right. Or maybe because they just don't like you. Now, I'm not talking about you personally, Ben, and I'm sure everyone loves you, but in a general sense.
4: It's a remote
1: possibility. (laughs) It's a remote possibility. I have read your post on Huffington. I think it's a distinct possibility. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Was so but so, I was going to lead to here is there's sort of an irony. I don't know if you've been following the story, but um, in France. Uh, on Google Maps. Not on Google Maps. Actual France. Um, Google, eBay, Facebook, and a bunch of other companies are suing the French government. And they're suing the French government because the French government wants them to retain their data for a year. hmm uh, they want them to retain names, passwords, addresses, cell phone numbers, any data they collect from customers. they want all of these companies to hold on to them for a year. so in case the French gendarmes uh, have a need for it, they can access it. And these guys are fighting it, which I find ironic.
4: <laughs> because one they're getting they they're collecting a lot of that information already, but they're not protecting it
1: right. well, I mean, uh, I understand the argument against, being forced to hold on to all this information for at least a year, you know, companies don't want to do it because it's a hassle and it's a lot of storage. And but more importantly, you know, they have this information and it makes them a big, fat, juicy target for hackers.
4: And but this would make them a bigger target.
1: This would make them a bigger
4: target They would have more data. Now that's yeah. it, one of the standards the FTC applies. Is um, you know, they you can be investigated by the FTC for. Uh, On privacy, even if you comply with your privacy policy to the to the letter, Um, but if you don't have what is considered, they consider adequate security for the nature of the information you have, they can go after you in enforcement on the grounds that you know that's not deceptive what you did, but it's unfair. And uh, if you have, if you're collecting this amount of information, you have to have you know this commensurate amount of security. And so it's interesting you point that out because. That is one of the areas the FTC has stepped up enforcement on. is isn't our people who are breaching their policies. It's people who aren't providing enough security.
1: Now, who determines what's enough?
4: Well, in their view, it depends on the nature of the information. I mean, if all follow this as email addresses, that's one thing. But if it's email addresses with any financial information or email addresses with other personally identifiable information, you know, it could be any one of those. Um, but... You know, the, the clearly, once you get into financial information, or even you know more, you know, more sensitive is you know medical histories and things of that nature. You know, the need for security ramps up. But
1: I'm just wondering how they determine what's adequate, because I doubt that. You know, when I talk, i you know write a lot about research and security. When I'm not being just snarky, um, and when I talk to research people, you know, they always say, "Well, you know, how much security is enough? There's never enough." You could spend all of your money on security and still not be enough. So it's always a question of relative degree versus risk. Right. So I'm just curious how the FCC determines that. Well, you're not doing it enough.
4: Well, I guess <laughs> you, you can look to what other people do, is one of it. And you know, if if there are commercially reasonable measures you could take to, you're not going to be able to eliminate the risk. I mean, it will always be a risk, but you can minimize it. And I think that's that's what they look for. They look to whether you know, what other companies are doing, and can you. Take up similar steps to um, to better protect the information you have. And um,
1: it's it's kind of ironic because as we're talking about this, you know, I'm staring sitting in front of the PC, I'm looking at right. it, and I was looking at uh, a web page, and all of a sudden now I'm getting a faux antivirus message. Oh, I hate those. Yeah, and they're impossible to close.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and now I'm trying to figure out where I got it from so I can never go there again. But I find it ironic that as we're talking about this stuff, it's happening to me. You know, it was funny. <laughs> you
4: know, when spam first became a big issue, um, the FTC held a conference on spam. It was like a three-day conference or something. I was there.
1: I was actually on one of the panels. Oh, I was there too. Damn. <laughs> and, and you didn't uh, invite me for lunch?
4: I didn't, no, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, it was, it was in my, I actually I turned 40 there. <laughs> what a ways to celebrate your 40th birthday. But it,
1: FTC, yeah.
4: it was fun, though, because I used to live there. But anyway, um, you may recall that I believe it was someone from AOL. Um, he was doing a presentation and, and showing how their you know AOL works with their email. And while during the presentation, they get an email, uh, a spam email from one, someone else. That's and um, you know, one of the other um, providers, I think it was like MSN or something, kind of as a crank. And um, I don't know if you recall that. It just struck me as the the, the timing of it was perfect. Yes, exactly. um, So um, what else have you been working on lately?
1: Well, I did a piece. uh, I read a blog for IT World about uh, Facebook mostly, but social networking and privacy. It's called Thank You for Not Sharing. Mm -hmm. And so um, on Monday I posted about uh, I don't know if you saw the announcement Obama is 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 running for president. Big surprise there. Yes. Uh, in 2012. I was shocked, frankly. Um, and so as part of that, dude, they're doing a really big Facebook push. You know, they're they're all about, you know, the Web 2.0. Right. And so there is a an app that was introduced called Are You In? Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Well, So I looked at it and I clicked on it and I started using it. And the more I used it, the funkier it got. Uh, and it started because, you know, I I clicked on and said, oh, this is an app. So I was waiting for the little screen that pops up on Facebook and says so-and-so wants to access the following information and lists various things. Um, never got that screen. Interesting. Just launched me right into the app. And it's a very simple app. It just invites your friends to join, you know, and it shows randomly, I assume, which friends are not in yet and which friends are in yet. Uh, and that's pretty much it. But, you know, the more I looked into it, the weirder it got. Um, I looked at, you know, I said, okay, this app, you know, it was installed. I checked. And then I said it had last accessed my data on October 24th. But the app was brand new. Hmm. Uh, and so, and then I tried, you know, I have a few other sort of not entirely legitimate Facebook accounts that I use for testing. And I tried it and I couldn't install it at all. Um and then I decided to send an email to whoever built this app to say, hey, dudes, uh, this ain't working right. So um, maybe you should maybe retool it and release it. And when I clicked the link in you know, contact the developer, I got a page full of lorem ipsum. You know what lorem ipsum yes, is? I, yes, I do. Lorem ipsum dolor sit amet. It's the fake Latin that's used as dummy text in a template. So the get involved, donate now... Barack Obama email page is full of lorem ipsum and little boxes saying some stuff, some more stuff.
4: <laughs> well, you know, stuff is what wins elections.
1: It is. It is exactly. It is. So, um, and, you know, there was, it just, it, it was really half-assed. And I was shocked and disappointed because, you know, people talk about, you know, Obama being the technology president, right? I mean, yeah,
4: and also just, you know, in his campaign was so innovative and kind of it, yeah. you know, built on what what others had done, but at an exponential level.
1: Yes. So, you know, he was. They, they were on it, right? They understood it. They knew it, you know, and they come out with a Facebook app and they just go flat. I mean, face plant app, really. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, um, I was shocked and appalled at that. And then I saw today that um, on the 20th of this month, uh, Obama is going to have a Facebook town hall with the new patron state of the Internet, Mark Zuckerberg.
4: That's right. We need to be appointed on earlier.
1: Yes, we need to be appointed before that. I'm sure it's a fast process. So, um, and I thought, you know, how big a role this network is playing in, you know, American politics uh, is also a little concerning to me. Why is that? Well, because of what we talked about earlier about data clumping, uh, cool. you know.
4: And it's also an endorsement, in effect, endorsing one. Yeah source Which, of communication over another.
1: Frankly, I don't have a problem with that because of my personal politics um, and also because it's nice to have a few billionaires on our side. <laughs> 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 you know? Exactly. The other side has most of them. So it's nice to have a few on our side, um, even if they are billionaires on paper.
4: But he's he definitely, you know, yeah, he, I don't think he's converted his billions, but true. I mean, Facebook is private. but uh, And so that's going to happen when?
1: So that is going to happen on April 20th, and people are um, submitting questions via Facebook. And I don't know. I think he's going to do it in person. And, the, you know, Facebook has been doing streaming video lately. So I assume that they'll be streaming video. But it's going to be Zuckerberg and Obama. Wow. Now, Obama can talk. He's pretty good. But Zuckerberg? <laughs> I <don't> know, I've <laughs> only public, heard him on
4: 60 Minutes. I don't he think actually a...
1: did a pretty good job in 60 Minutes. But until then, prior to that, he had a reputation of flop sweat. Wow. So it ought to be interesting. But, you know, that the confluence of these things kind of, like, all hit me at once. It's like, you know, it's hard to know where we're going. You know, right. you can sort of see little bits and pieces of it. It's hard to, like, climb up the pole and look further down the road.
4: But, you know, on one level, you know, it's, what he, that's not that innovative um, or unprecedented. I mean, I remember as a kid when Jimmy Carter had uh, a call-in day. Right, and I don't, I don't yeah, know how sweater. many people. he had like five calls or something over a half hour. I forget, but of course, you know, there's probably you know two two thousand people who said they called they talked to him, <laughs> kind of like all the people who said they they saw Hank Aaron's um, home run. But um, you know, so it, it, it's it's not unprecedented what he's doing. He's just using a different technology.
1: Oh, it's funny though that I remember that chat. I remember the sweater from that chat, but I remember better Dan Aykroyd's satire of it.
4: So was that this, I mean, I remember the fireside chat, but I think that was different from the call-in program.
1: Oh, yeah, it may have been. Um, but I'm thinking of the, him sitting in the sweater in the fireside chat and the whole yes. thing. And then um, Dan Aykroyd did a spoof on that where he took people's calls and he told them, like, how to fix the brakes in their car and, you know, you know some information about science. And, you know, he was kind of like Mr. Expert, or Mr. Wizard. So
4: Well, he was, I mean, you know, he was the first president to be, who was an engineer.
1: Right, um, right. But I'm just saying that they're kind of like having a spoof on him. But I bet more people saw Dan Aykroyd's version of it than they saw the Jimmy Carter version of it.
4: Uh, it's funny. I don't remember the Dan Aykroyd thing. But I do. everyone kind of remembers Chevy Chase doing right. that show, Ford. Which, ironically enough, um, there was that one episode where he fell over. He was, he was doing the presidential debate segment. Right. And he fell over uh, on the podium because he was a very physical actor. But he hurt his heard back. So. And then, you know, as, for, as a result of that, he would take pain kills, pills, you know, to address the pain in his back and eventually got addicted. And where did he end up? But the Betty Ford Center. <laughs> there you go. And and everything so they a circular. They actually became friends. And he actually he did a tour with Gerald Ford on politics and comedy. The, <laughs> so.
1: Okay. OK, so while we were talking, um, go to Hulu. Mm-hmm. So Saturday Night Live, ask President Carter.
4: Okay, we'll take we'll take a look at that, and, and we'll um, find
1: the clip. He's nope. also
4: um on YouTube. Are you going to submit a question for President Obama?
1: Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um. Uh, yeah, when is he going to take John Banner out and kick his ass? <laughs> <laughs> Just bitch slap him.
4: I <laughs> hey, uh, uh, I think that's one that's probably been asked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But we haven't gotten a satisfactory answer, and I want to know.
4: But um, well, Dan, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, I, I hope you'll consider joining us again, and and bring whatever saints you may have in your pocket. Um, but everyone, Dan Tynan, he's on eSarcasm. Um, you definitely have to check him out. Um, he's a good voice on the internet, and always fun to talk with. Dan, thanks again. Hey, it was a pleasure. Now, um, next week we're going to be talking about an important development uh, affecting affiliate marketing and what may be the um the right haven of patents issues and uh, there's someone who claims to have a, a patent that affects affiliate marketing and has been going after companies so um, we will have um i believe joe volsky um a prominent patent lawyer to talk about what this means and uh, what affiliates can do um to protect themselves but um so i hope you enjoyed this show um And so next week, we will have Joe Volsky talk about the patent issue. And um, anything else you may want us to address, just let us know via chat, and um, we'll try to address them. But this has been Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica. And um, it's been a pleasure, and I hope you join us next week.